Well, praise God. Look at this fancy pulpit. Praise God. It's a blessing to be with uh, you tonight on uh, this warm day that the Lord has prepared. Uh, I shared with uh, our leaders earlier this morning as we met uh, that uh, we were experiencing a heat wave uh, because yesterday it was four degrees and uh, today we got up to 16. Uh, so praise God for 16 and praise God for 20 and uh, for all that he's doing. Uh, let me give uh, thanks to God for your pastor. Uh, pastor John is uh, one of my pastors in the city and uh, thankful uh, for not just the friendship, uh, but the love uh, that he's shown, uh, not only myself, but my family, uh, to Sister Letty, amen, and uh, her sweetness. Uh, and uh, I, I get the greatest kick out of seeing them on Monday sneak away to be together. Uh, amen. It's, you know, sometimes Monday's their day, and anytime I'm out on Monday, sometimes I'll stop in a Panera or something like that. Uh, and when I see them just enjoying lunch together and spending their day uh, with one another, it just encourages my heart. Uh, to see them as a couple still loving God and loving one another. Uh, that's a blessing in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, I want to thank God for uh, just the privilege to be here. Uh, I share with Pastor, you guys have had a, a whole bunch of great preaching this week. Uh, so I really uh, don't have uh, a whole lot new to say uh, tonight. I'm going to talk about Jesus and how good he is. And I'm going to talk about God and how he satisfies and nobody else can satisfy. Uh, so I really don't have a lot new to say uh, tonight, uh, but just want to uh, challenge us uh, to wrestle a bit. Uh, I'm getting older, I think. And uh, as I get older, I find that my approach uh, to life changes and my approach to times like this. Uh, this first week of January 2017, uh, a week and a day, a moment in time that we've never seen before and we'll never see again. Uh, a unique season in the life of our country, in the life of our world. And God has fought enough of us and trusted us enough to place us on assignment at this particular time. It's not by chance uh, that you are here in this season during this time with everything that's going on in the world and everything that's going on in our country. It's by God's design. He has a lot of confidence in our ability to cling to him and pursue him and seek him and surrender so that his purpose and his will will be accomplished uh, while we're here on earth. Uh, so I pray that tonight. Uh, that we would hear that uh, in the message. So let's take a moment and just talk to Daddy, if you don't mind. Uh, Daddy, we, we pause for uh, a moment, continuing in our worship experience of you. Uh, thank you for uh, the time of worship and song and worship and giving. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to be together as a community of faith. Thank you for your trust of us to allow us to be here in this season and this time for your purpose and your glory. Uh, Holy Spirit, we surrender to you now. Uh, you are our teacher. 
guide us into your truth. Uh, we don't need just excitement. Uh, we don't need just another thrill. Uh, we need you to do some radical work in our hearts and our minds. Lift up now as we lift up your word. Allow us to look in the mirror of your word to see what you would have for us to see and then surrender so that we might change to align ourselves with what you have said. Uh, so I surrender to you now. Uh, take now my mind and my mouth. Speak for me and speak through me. Let now the words of my mouth, I pray, the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Thank you for being my strength, and I praise you that you are my redeemer. And we say together, amen. Amen. Well, we want to uh, read together from our passage in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5 and verse 6. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5 and verse 6. Uh, and we're going to read that together. They have it on the screen. So at the count of three, uh, I just want to ask you, uh, if you don't mind, if we can read that out loud together. One, two, three. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Amen. Shall be satisfied. Some translations say filled. As we think tonight and uh, process the word of God tonight uh, from this passage, Matthew 5 and 6, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied, filled. Uh, I want to ask you to think about, do you really want to be blessed? just want to ask you to think about, do you really want to be blessed? Then I'll ask you to think about, what does that mean for you? So I don't know if you take notes, uh, but write down, what does, that, what does it mean for you to be blessed? When you, when you say you want to be blessed, how do you understand that? How do you communicate that? What does that look like? And it may just be writing a word down of what it means for you to be blessed. Your understanding of what it means for you to have a blessed life. Is that God doing everything you want him to do for you? Uh, is that a blessed life? Uh, is a blessed life for you everything working out so that it's always pleasant and never uncomfortable? What does it mean for us to have a blessed life? Some of the translations do a horrible job translating not just this passage, but translating what we call the Beatitudes or the introduction to this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives. Uh, and some of the translations, they, they translate happy or fortunate, uh, which is really a, a horrible translation. Uh, because when you think about happy or happiness, happiness typically is based on what's happening. Uh, so if things are happening okay, if my children are well, if things are going good on my job, then I feel blessed because I'm happy. But that, that's not what he's communicating in this passage. Uh, this introduction to this Sermon on the Mount that many of us are familiar with, this powerful message that Jesus shares about the kingdom and kingdom principles, kingdom teachings for kingdom citizens to understand that we live differently from everybody else, that our goal, our prayer, our desire is that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus shares this powerful message and in the introduction, he talks to them about being 
blessed. But when he talks to them about being blessed, we want to understand that he's talking not just to the disciples, he's also talking to the crowd. Uh, Verse 1 of chapter 5, he's talking to the disciples, but he also mentions that he's called together on this mountain a crowd. It reminds you of Moses on Mount Sinai inviting the people to encounter God. But Jesus bids them come, the disciples and the crowd, to talk to them about what it means to have a life that God favors or a life that God blesses. And in the introductory statements, he highlights some important things just for them to be aware of. And we just want to focus on one tonight in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or filled. The word that's used there for blessed is a word makarius. Uh, This word communicates uh, or speaks of Uh, favor of God that has nothing to do with the circumstances of life, but everything to do with God. The favor of God that has nothing to do with what's going on around me, but everything to do with the God that I'm in relationship with. It's the favor of God that comes because I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. It's the favor of God, the blessing of God, the promise of God being not only with me, but God being for me, God being on my side, and God working on my behalf, not because I've done anything, but just because he's my king and I'm his servant. It speaks of this idea of the favor of God resting upon us. It is a satisfaction that comes from God and God alone. Blessed are you. May the favor of God rest upon you. May the favor of God be with you. May the favor of God go before you. May the favor of God come up behind you. Who? People who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus, when he talks to them about the favor of God, He communicates that the favor of God is available. It's available for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can I ask you this this evening, what have you been hungering for? I'll ask it differently. What's your appetite like? What do you consume on a daily basis? What are you drawn to when your mind is in neutral? When you find yourself just riding around, where do you drift? When you feel as though you need some help, what do you look to? When you feel as though you are stressed, where do you run? What's your appetite like? He talks about hungering and thirsting, and we know that concept. It's a longing. It's a passion. It's a desire. It's a craving. He, he uses this hungering and thirsting to talk about a craving that's taking place, to, to talk about a desire, to talk about a passion, to talk about a longing. He says we're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know about you, but I don't always have the best eating habits. Uh, so just a few days ago, my wife was preparing dinner, uh, but I wasn't patient. So because I wasn't patient while she was preparing dinner, uh, I went into the cabinet and I pulled out some potato chips, barbecue potato chips, because I enjoy barbecue potato chips. 
and she's preparing dinner, a, a nice dinner with vegetables and, and meat and a starch uh, and a bread if I wanted, but I wasn't patient, so I, I got some chips and I started nibbling on the chips and, and a few chips turned into a few more chips, which turned into a few more chips, which turned into a few more chips. And uh, then eventually I realized, you know what, dinner's gonna be ready soon, so I need to put the chips away. Uh, so I put the chips away. About 20 minutes later, dinner's ready. And now, because I've been nibbling on chips, I don't have an appetite for dinner. Oftentimes, we don't have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness because we've been nibbling on other stuff. So we've been nibbling on social media so much that we don't have a hunger and an appetite for God. We've been nibbling on our favorite TV shows so much that we don't have a hunger and an appetite for God. We've been nibbling on some other relationships so much that we don't have room and time to have an appetite for God. There, there are some other things, some junk food items in our lives that have caused us to no longer have an appetite for God. Can I just ask, what have you been nibbling on? What's been consuming you? What have you been cheating with while you wait on God to show his favor? He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I appreciate uh, John Piper in this space. He says in his book entitled, A Hunger for God, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison but apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video, but the primetime dribble of triviality we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, it is a piece of lamb, a yoke of oxen, and a wife, recorded in Luke 14. The greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. You see, I believe he raises the point that we've been convinced that we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness because of evil, when in reality, we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness because of good. We have oftentimes chosen the gifts of God over the giver, and we've pursued the gifts instead of pursuing the giver, and in pursuing the gifts, we can't be satisfied, which is why we keep chasing after more and more gifts, because they never satisfy, only the giver satisfies. So here's all I really came to say about this issue of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. The idea of righteousness is this idea of hungering and thirsting for a right relationship with God, whereby God is always pleased, not just with our actions, but with our attitudes and our motives. It's a a hungering to constantly see the smile of God upon our lives. 
It, it, it's a hungering for the pleasure of God, not because we're perfect, not because we're sinless, but because our greatest desire is to please him. Righteousness, because we don't have any righteousness in and of our, ourselves. The righteousness that we have comes from Christ. He's the one who makes us right. So there's nothing in us that can cause God to say, ooh, I'm so excited about you, other than what Christ has given us. But it's living to see the smile of God because as children, we just want to please our daddy. Blessed are those, may the favor of God rest upon those who hunger and thirst for an applause constantly from the audience of one. So that if nobody else says, great job, if we can look and see that daddy is pleased, then we know it's well with our souls. So how do we do that? If we're going to hunger for God, I want to share three things that I think are important. Uh, and then I want to pray and sit down. If we're going to hunger for God, uh, here's the first thing I'll share. A hunger for God, first of all, requires intentionality. Can you say intentionality? Intentionality. We don't hunger for God by chance. It requires intentionality. So we're preparing for a, a Daniel fast. We'll start our Daniel fast on tomorrow as a church. And uh, the Daniel fast many of you are familiar with. Uh, you know some of the things we're not supposed to eat, some of the things we, we choose to eat as, as we seek uh, to draw close to God. And uh, what's interesting to me every time as we prepare for the Daniel fast is uh, the grocery stores all of a sudden for certain items, they get sold out. So as we prepare for the Daniel Fast, I love Aldi's, especially Aldi's on University, so I go there a lot. Uh, I love Walmart, so I go to Walmart on University a lot. And as we find items that are Daniel approved, we share those with our congregation. Uh, and so we share, hey, if you want to do this, they have some salsa that uh, has a bean salsa that would be great. It's Daniel approved. And we'll give a list of things to people of different things that you can eat. And, and what we find is that on that first week, everybody goes to the store and they buy up all that stuff. All the stuff that we need for the Daniel Fast, they're buying it up. Because we understand that if we're going to live according to the Daniel Fast, if we're going to eat according to the Daniel Fast, we can't wake up the morning of and try to figure out, okay, what am I going to eat today? Because we don't normally function like that. So we have to plan and we have to think about, okay, so what am I going to do for breakfast so that I can sustain my strength enough to do what God would have me to do for the day, to honor him, to please him, to give him my very best, to be a kingdom citizen as I go to work and as I interact with people. God, what do I need for breakfast and what do I need for lunch and what do I need for dinner so that I can honor you as I go throughout the day? We, we can't just wake up and that happen. We have to think through that. So as we think through that, we have to plan that. So we, we plan out what are we going to do on Monday and what are we going to do on Tuesday and what are we going to do on Wednesday and what are we going to do on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. We plan it out. It requires intentionality. We don't hunger and thirst for righteousness by chance. It requires intentionality. So we have to be intentional about what's the first thing I'm going to do when I wake up in the morning? What's the first thing I will check when I wake up in the morning? Am I going to check the news first thing when I wake up in the morning? Is that where I'm going to be satisfied? 
A am I going to check my social media when I first wake up in the morning? Is, is that going to be the first thing I do? Is, is the cup of coffee going to be the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning? Or, or will the first thing that I do when I wake up in the morning be time with God? I have to intentionally plan that out. And how much time do I want to spend with God? Because if I'm a, a slow-paced kind of person, then, then I need to make sure that I, I give myself some slow-paced time to be with God so I don't feel rushed because I don't want to do a drive-by on God. You know, hey, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Got a verse for the day to keep the devil away. Now I'm going to keep moving on. All right, thank you, God. Give me a favor for the rest of the day. No, I don't want to give God that, right? So since I want to commune with God, then I have to be intentional about saying, okay, it normally takes me an hour to get ready. Well, I may need an hour and a half. I want to be intentional. Hungering and thirsting for God requires intentionality. And where do I need to be when I commune and connect with God? Do I need to get up before my kids get up? Because once they get up, they're a distraction. And what's the best place in the house for me to go? Is there a better room for me to be in? Do I need to go in the closet to my secret place? I need to be intentional if I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It requires intentionality. Can I ask how intentional have you been in hungering for God and thirsting for God and pursuing God and seeking God? Not only does it require intentionality, second thing I want to share is it requires discipline. Can you say discipline? Discipline, discipline means that uh, I don't start and not stick. Discipline means I have to commit to do it even when I don't want to do it. So we laugh every year at the gym, not because it's funny, but it is kind of funny. Every year at the gym, uh, you know, around January, we have a whole bunch of members. And the joke for those who go all the time is, you know what, just keep coming. By February, things are clean back out. You don't even have to worry about it. Everybody's going to start. And by February, most people who've made the resolution that they're going to start working out, they'll be done and they'll go do something else. And then we'll have our space back and we'll be okay because of lack of discipline. Paul tells Timothy that uh, train yourself in godliness. Train yourself. Discipline yourself. Make it a habit to practice in godliness in the word and worship. Peter says, as newborn babes desire, crave the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. It requires discipline first in the word. Discipline to get in the word, to eat the word, to chew the word, to crave the word. It requires discipline to hunger for the word of God and to stay with it. To read that word when you don't understand it. To read that word when you don't like the word that you read today, right? To read that word when you get to Leviticus. Just keep reading that word. Keep reading, just keep, it's Leviticus, God, but I'm going to keep reading that word. To read that word when you get to the Song of Solomon, you're like, what is he talking about, right? To just keep reading that word, it requires that discipline to continue to just chew on the word of God that we might hide the word of God in our hearts so that we might not sin against God. It requires discipline in the word. Because as we're disciplined in the word, what happens? We begin to grow. And as 
we continue to eat the word, guess what happens? We begin to crave the word more and more. The more I eat the word, the more I crave the word because the word does taste like honey on a honeycomb. It does become sweet to our souls as we continue in the discipline of eating that word. It requires discipline in the word. And I don't know about you, and forgive me for my confession, um, but I'm too crazy to only get word once a day. I don't know about your life experience. I don't know how sane your mind is. I don't know how corrupt your thinking is. But my thinking is so corrupt, I need more than just word in the morning. Right? (laughs) He he talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My my mind is so messed up. I, I need to renew my mind constantly on the word of God. So having the discipline to say, I need a consistent intake of the word, whether I'm reading the word or, or now you version is provided is so easy. You can push play and listen to the word, whether I'm listening to the word or listening to the word being preached or proclaimed, whatever it is, I need a discipline in the word. What's your discipline like in the word of God? Not just in the word, but in worship, a discipline in worship. I thank God for the worship team. What's your worship like when you're not at church? Because worship is a lifestyle. It's not just an experience. It's easy to worship on stage when you worship in the bathroom, right? When you worship in the car. It's, it's easy to worship with the crowd when you worship by yourself. What, what's, what's the lifestyle worship like? The consistency of lifestyle worship says, God, I come before your presence. And, and worship is different from praise. Praise, I'm celebrating you. Woo, yeah, God, that's praise. Worship is my surrender to you, surrendering all that I am, to all that you say and all that you do and all that you are. Worship is a surrender before God. It's a laying myself before God. It's a bowing before God to say, God, I am in awe of you. And because I'm in awe of you, I just want to lay in your presence and I just want to enjoy you. And I just want to soak up this time with you to experience you and encounter you. It requires discipline in word and worship. So if we're going to continue what we started throughout 2017, what's your worship like? Can I pry? Do you have family worship? Where as a family, you come together and say, we're going to worship God together. Huh? Yeah, we're going to worship. How do children learn to worship? At home. Requires the discipline of worship and word. Hunger and thirsting for God, intentionality, discipline, and word and worship. But then finally, community. Can you say community? community. <laughs> so here's what I love about what you all have done. You've decided as a church, we're going to get together and sacrifice to be together to strengthen one another so that we can be better for the kingdom, community. One of the things we learn about eating better is that we eat better when we're especially trying to make a change when we're in community. 
You know the strength of Weight Watchers? Community. That's the strength of it. It's, it's community. You got a group of people that you're in community with, that you're coming, and you have a shared goal. And because of shared goal, you encourage each other. And now they have apps that you can utilize to stay connected. And you can share your reports in community so that when you struggle, somebody in community can encourage you to stay with the program in community. Hungering and thirsting for God works best when we stay in community. There's nowhere in the world Weight Watchers should be able to do better than what we do. Nowhere in the world they should have a better community network than we have. And what they're pursuing will only last in this life. Because Paul also tells Timothy, physical exercise only has benefit in this life. But exercising yourself in godliness has benefit in this life and the life to come. It requires community. When other people around us are hungering and thirsting for God, it encourages us to hunger and thirst for God. When you're around other people and, and they're talking about the word, it encourages you to want to talk about the word. Like, really, I didn't, I didn't read today, so I probably need to read so I can engage in this conversation. Right? When you're around other people and they want to they pray and they want to seek the face of God, as soon as you share a crisis or a concern, they say, well, let's go before the face of God. It encourages you to want to have that practice of going before the face of God. It takes community. It says, blessed are those, the favor of God will rest upon those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be satisfied, they'll be filled. Everything that they really need, God will provide. That's, that's a powerful statement. Everything that they really need, God will provide so that they won't feel as though they have want. It happens in community. As you continue throughout 2017, here's my prayer for you. As an extension of the body of Christ in Peoria, that you will, with great intentionality, hunger and thirst for God. And that you'll encourage each other to be intentional about it. That when you have conversations with one another, you'll ask, so, so when do you meet with God? So what are you reading? What is God teaching you? How is God stretching you? What is the Spirit doing in your life? What is the Holy Spirit showing you right now about your family? What is he showing you right now about the people on your job? How is God using you in the community for his glory and his honor? That you will be intentional about having conversations like that. That you'll encourage each other to be disciplined in the word and worship. So that we begin to ask, so how many of those songs are you singing during the week? And, and because the Spirit gives us songs, how many songs has the Spirit given you that you need to share? And that you'll commit that in community, this is how we live. We live pursuing God more than we pursue anything else. If all of this stuff goes away, we're still going to pursue God. 
That's a commitment that community makes. The Father says, he will already bless those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he promises that those who do that will be satisfied. You got a guarantee on both ends. The question becomes, do you really want to be blessed? Let's bow together. Father, I, I thank you tonight uh, for the simplicity of your word. You've given a guarantee on the front end that your favor would rest upon those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You've given a guarantee on the back end that we'll be satisfied. I pray that you bless this local assembly, pastor, staff, leaders, congregation, that with great intentionality, they would hunger and thirst for you. God, that no junk food of life would take away their appetite. I pray, God, that you would cause them to be disciplined like never before because there is so much at stake. We don't have time to play. We don't have time to be distracted. God, what we need and what our world needs more than anything is a taste of you. So we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all that he's done for us to be able to enter into relationship with you. We thank you that he is the only one who truly satisfies. So we pray, Father, that as we function and live in community together, you would bless us to experience like never before fulfillment in you. I pray, God, wherever there is lack on the inside of us, wherever there's emptiness or a void, that as we hunger and thirst for you, you promise that we would be satisfied. I pray, God, like never before in 2017, that the members of this church would find the satisfaction in you that blows their minds, that cause them to stand in a at the goodness of the God that we serve. Thank you for the promise on the front end. Thank you for the promise on the back end. We trust that you will be faithful. So we say thanks and bless you.